Hello and welcome to the world-famous Driving You Crazy podcast. This is the show where we talk about all things transportation, anything that gets you from here to there. I'm the traffic anchor and transportation reporter for Denver 7 News, Jason Luber. And if you would like to contact me, you sure can. On any of the contact links, you could always call the listener hotline at 303-832-0217. I'm sure you've seen those car transport trucks motoring down the highway, right? Uh, Those are usually for local deliveries of your regular cars going to your local dealer. But have you noticed that you rarely, if ever, see an exotic or a super high-end car on one of those trucks? Well, there's a reason for that. Cars like Ferrari and Lamborghini, Rolls-Royce, Bentleys, they're delivered by special transport delivery trucks and by delivery drivers, and there are many challenges now facing that industry. Here to talk about that and how the transport of these exotic cars works is Stephen Yariv. He is the founder and the CEO of Dealer's Choice Auto Transport that's based down in South Florida, but he does deliver nationwide. Stephen, thanks so much for being here on the world-famous Driving You Crazy podcast. Thank you for having me. All right, so you started Dealer's Choice with just one truck, right? You have that, yep. uh, it, it's it's like the American dream story where you, you, you're you a guy, you have a truck. Uh, take me back to that time when you thought, all right, all I need is a truck and me and, and I can start a company. You know, it, it was a lot of fun. I actually was on Wall Street as an institutional trader and I made an investment into one truck. And uh, what I did was I took the same aggressive cold calling stance and making phone calls and calling everybody up and started working the dealership network with all the high-end and exotic dealerships that I was very familiar with being a car enthusiast and built a client base. And, you know, the one truck turned into three within under 30 days. And before you knew it, we were subletting a ton of workouts to different people to help us out and all of a sudden we were getting referrals from different dealers throughout the country to help them because they were stuck and nobody would show up and wouldn't have insurance and just nightmares. Everybody was having trouble. And, you know, I was at the right place at the right time, you know, over 20 years ago and just built a conglomerate in the business. Yeah. Sometimes, quickly. sometimes looking back over, over what I've done over the last 20 years, I go, you know, it was somewhat simpler and, and more fun back in those days. Do you, do you ever look back? I, I agree. It was. Yeah. <laughs> it was a lot more fun. You know, you had a lot of, it, it was like just the Wild West. You know, you, you can, drivers were driving and they, they were able to go and the rules changed and the Department of De- Transportation is extremely strict and they always were and they always will be, which they should be. But it was just a different time 20 years ago, even 10 years ago, you know, drivers would just go and. It wasn't electronic logbooks, and they would yeah. you know, rig the system. It was crazy, and uh, which is you know not safe on the road, but it doesn't matter what company it is. You know that's what they did to make money, and drivers had to drive. And, and, and it's we'll crazy. Sp- yeah, and we'll speak more about the drivers and the specifics about how you find them and 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 how they work for you. But like any business owner, you've you've had ups and downs, and and one of them was about 10 years or so ago where you offered a $10,000 reward to help find a missing Bentley. Uh, did, did you ever find the car? You know, I can actually have the, the title to it at my desk. No, the car is gone. <laughs> uh, it's definitely overseas. Uh, I already got word about that many, many years ago. Uh, 
but the car is gone and I, I wrote the check for it. You know, that's what really separated me from everybody else in the business. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, when, you know, one of your subs or one of your employees make a vehicle disappear, <laughs> insurance doesn't cover it. It's no difference of you making your own car go away. Right. You know, it's kind of the way it works. And I wrote the check, paid the nearly $170,000 for the vehicle. Yikes. That's what separated us from everybody else in the business. Uh, and, and I'll bet you haven't lost another one since then. <laughs> no, I have not. Um, I mean, thank God, you know, now you say knock on wood, but I'll tell you the uh, the experience was, you know, heart-wrenching. It was drove you crazy. And, you know, the customer obviously was extremely upset at the time. But, you know, we stepped up to the plate and took care of the uh, of the vehicle, you know, paid for it in full. Uh, and I also read a story about how you were asked to do a very uh, Smokey and the Bandit type situation uh, where you delivered a Rolls Royce here to Colorado within a very short time frame. And, and I can tell you, I drove an RV uh, from Super Bowl 33, which was in Miami, Florida, all the way yeah. back here to Denver. It, but it took me three full days, and it was a very tough drive for me doing it for three days in a row. So how, how did your folks do it in less time than that? You know, it, it was uh, it was Smokey and the Bandit. You know, I, I had to put three drivers in one truck, and they went nonstop. They literally only stopped for fuel and, you know, run into the get fuel station, grab a bite to eat, and keep going. You know, the people were literally, the drivers were, were incredible. They literally didn't stop besides fuel. We had to make a customer extremely happy and when I say happy, the customer actually tipped the drivers five thousand dollars each. Uh, no total. Wow! But it, I mean, it, that's no. a you know, that's very generous individual, uh, very very financially uh, strong person in the Denver area. I can say that. I I'll bet. And I bet there was a premium delivery fee for for that run as well. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the, the gentleman didn't care about it. It wasn't a money issue. It was, it was, I want my vehicle when I want it. Yeah. And it was a surprise and he was extremely happy. Uh, again, I haven't had anybody else tip that well in the business. And it's very out of the ordinary. Yeah. I, I, I wish that we could all be uh, that financially sound uh, one day. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. In our lives. Yeah, my guest is Stephen Yariv. He's the founder and CEO of Dealer's Choice Auto Transport from uh, South Florida. We're talking about the challenges of the exotic car transportation business. So uh, you specialize in these exotic cars, shipping them, going from state to state or, or even just locally there. So, so why? Why not, why not ship a, a Toyota Corolla? Why, why, why do you want to do these exotic cars? It's a love for the vehicles. It, that's really what it came down to. I love cars, always loved cars as a kid. When you grow up, yeah, with, you know, not being in the financial world and you, you dream growing up in Brooklyn, you know, and you always dream to, to be part of the upper echelon. Yeah. Cars are the one thing that sets you apart when you see people. So I always loved vehicles. I always loved the idea of owning a Lamborghini and a, or a Ferrari or Rolls Royce. And I said, that's the market I'm going to go after. And it had nothing, you know, believe it or not, shipping a Rolls Royce enclosed or a Honda enclosed, in reality, it's the same price. A car takes up the same space. Um, the difference is, you know, when you're shipping these exotics, 
God forbid something happens, you have a big ticket to write a check for, or the insurance does. So what we did was we set ourselves apart from everybody else to specialize in exotics and highline cars to make sure that we're the go-to company for that industry. And so I chased that market and I built it. I made it grow. And every year we're growing on a regular basis. This year alone, we're up 30%. Well, that's great. Yeah. And in the intro, I mentioned open trailer shipping. Those are typically the ones that are that are in the open air, right? Is is Do you ship vehicles typically on, on those or the enclosed ones? Uh, we do both. Uh, 90% of our business is the enclosed trailers. The 10% of our business does come from the snowbirds that come from anywhere, from the northeast to Florida or from, you know, from Denver to... Uh, Rancho Mirage in the desert in California, you know, that's where the West Coast and the Midwest, they go to, you know, the Southern California into the Palm Desert, Palm Springs area, Rancho Mirage. And then you have the Ohio and and the uh, Northeast that usually migrate to Florida. Yeah. So many of those vehicles will go on the open trailer. Uh, but are they are, are they protected at all because they are in the open and and can't debris and and other stuff get up there and and ding them or or chip them? Yeah, you're all right. That is very possible. But I mean, let's take our own vehicles that we drive on the road on a daily basis. How many rock chips do you really have? I mean, if you really look at it, you'd be surprised. It's nearly none or very very minor. But keep in mind when it's on the open trailer, the car is not physically driving. It is up in the air. Yeah, you, you, but you probably uh, haven't driven very often. Uh, I know you're you're from New York City, uh, but <laughs> out here in the West, they throw that rock salt down on the on the ground uh, when it's in the winter time, and I know they do that in the Midwest too. And those and those you know those chunks of stuff will hit the car. Yeah, they. But you know the the beauty of of being actually on the car carrier, even though it's open, it is somewhat protected. Uh, I can tell you that. After 20 years and shipping hundreds of thousands of cars, it's just not a it's not a, a, an issue. I mean, you have to think about this very quickly that you have these cars coming from the from the factory, you know, whether it's a Honda or it's whatever brand that come on the open carriers, and they show up to the dealerships. They're not damaged. Yeah. You know, if that was the case, nobody would be in business. Right. So you, you can feel very comfortable shipping your vehicle open. You don't have to worry about it. Yeah, it goes initially down on rail, uh, usually to these uh, shipping yards uh, where they're unloaded, and then from there to the uh, on a carrier, and then to your local dealership. Um, you know, it, that's it depends on the brand. You know, yeah. Ford, for example, they will put it on a rail from Michigan into Florida, but many times, even the Mercedes Benz and BMW, you know, which BMW is in Greer, South Carolina, uh, Mercedes is you know manufactures today in Alabama. Yeah. And they go to the local dealerships on an open vehicle, on an open trailer. Yeah. But then you and have those more, in, cars. and you also have those more protected enclosed trailers, as you say. Uh, how many can you get in there compared to the the open ones? Is there an advantage? Um, the advantage for the consumer on the enclosed trailers, obviously, you're protected from any of the elements. Yeah. Um, you really do have to take that into consideration that. You know, we have times where they call it, uh, you know, uh, what is it? Uh, in Oklahoma, when you're driving through, you get all the hailstorms. Yeah. And you do one thing that nobody's going to cover insurance-wise is 
a hailstorm. So God forbid your car gets nailed with hail. Unfortunately, it would be a terrible situation if you're on an open trailer. But it does happen, and it's very random, and it's very rare. So if you truly love your vehicle, and it's a high-dollar car especially, I do suggest going enclosed. But again, it's not a normal situation for your car to get covered in hail on a truck. Yeah. So I would suggest going enclosed in most instances if it's a high-dollar vehicle, but it's not completely necessary. Yeah, I, I I have a car that still has hail damage, so I just call it a golf ball because they're so aerodynamic. I mean, they're, it's like on purpose. So maybe you can use that with any of your clients that if they do get hail damage, you just say, I, I just golf balled it. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Threw it up in the air and dropped it a few times. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> My guest is uh, Stephen Yariv. He's the founder and the CEO of Dealer's Choice uh, Auto Transport down in South Florida talking about shipping exotic cars. Uh, but I've always heard that if you have those soft-sided uh, trucks uh, or enclosed trucks, don't you have to have or, – or they? is there any requirement that, that you have to have – soft-sided because of fires or a way to unzip it real fast if there's a fire in there you know no if on the soft-sided uh trailers you know people try to they, they think that it's not as safe as a hard side lift gate uh, i beg to differ um you know when we dispatch vehicles for porsche of north america they have a contract with one of our uh, vendors and they're soft-sided trailers there's not an issue using the soft side. Actually, I happen to say that many times it's safer because you can open up the side and you don't have to worry of trying to open the door on, you know, and possibly digging the door, trying to get in and out of the vehicle. So on the soft side, I can tell you it is very safe and your car does stay clean. People are afraid that it gets dusty. That's generally not the case. You were talking about some of your drivers, and and do you have to have a specialized driver to move these vehicles, or can just any truck driver do it? You, you know, any driver, truck driver can physically drive the truck, but it's the experience that we go through um, with the drivers. This is not an easy, you know, truck driving job. Um, you're pulling, on most instances, 80,000 pounds going down the road. Um, you're a moving missile is what I call them. You know, God forbid if being in Denver, you know how the roads are. Oh yeah. You know, we have to have chains. We have to make sure that the tires are chained up because you will slide. And those trucks, when they slide, they're sliding for a quarter of a mile. Yeah. They don't stop. Uh, so you have to make sure that you're, you're obviously making sure that the truck is properly equipped to go down the road. But regarding the driver themselves, it's not an easy task to load and unload vehicles. It takes a lot of training, a lot of time. And when we hire drivers, we literally put them with an experienced driver, not for two weeks or for two months, for anywhere from six to 12 months. They'll run tandem drivers and team as a team until they, we know that they're qualified to load and unload a vehicle on their own. But, but that must make it, really hard then to find uh drivers especially that that can not only drive the truck but then be able to drive those exotic vehicles especially with so much competition between trucking companies for drivers right now you know you're absolutely right it's an extremely difficult task um what we've done is we've gone to the schools and we will literally hire a driver right out of school wow. 
if they're willing to to take on that task of working a little harder, but the pay is significantly higher as a car carrier driver versus hopping in a, a refrigerator trailer or you know pulling any type of equipment down the road, it, it's a significant pay difference. I could tell you that. You also be have to be able to be able to drive those exotic cars too, because isn't it the same driver that's driving the truck that's loading and unloading these, you know, these specialized cars? Yeah, absolutely. And I can tell you that it's it's not easy when you're starting out and you're not familiar with the brands. Uh, the drivers really they need to take their time and learn, and they actually have to do their due diligence. You know what we've done is. We've had drivers that are new in the business go onto YouTube and and learn how to even just start the car. It is it would be embarrassing to show oh, yeah. up to a customer not uh, you're asking how do I start it, how do I put it in gear. It, it today everything is electronic, everything is push button. You know the Ferraris. If you remember, obviously back in the day, how do everything was a manual. Yeah. Today, you know you you press a button that says D for drive, and you just go. It's <laughs> You know, and we're talking about, you know, Ferraris, Lamborghinis, you know, everything is today is automatic. And you, and you don't want to park a gold wing door in the lower level of a trailer. <laughs> right. Yeah, and that's part of it, you know, and keep in mind, you know, on the double deck trailers, on the lift gates, same scenario on the top deck, you don't want to open the door and it hits yeah. the roof of the trailer. Yeah. You know, so you have to, the drivers really have to do their due diligence, you know, it does take a lot of time to learn the cars. So do, do you have the practice then to in, incentivize your drivers to stay with you? Do you have some of those loyal drivers that have been with you for a while because you've treated them a certain way? Yeah, absolutely. You know, we have, we have drivers that have been with us almost from the beginning, uh, especially on the local drivers. You know, we do pay them very well. Uh, they are well compensated, I mean, we offer every option, you know, for these, for, for the guys out there where nobody else gives a 401k and healthcare and, you know, as a small company, it's very difficult to find people to want to come to you unless you can offer what the big companies offer, you know, well, like, just like a FedEx or a UPS, we will offer the same benefits that they do. Right. So we've been successful in hiring. What what are some of the the complaints or the obstacles that these drivers have to deal with on a on a normal basis? Because I hear from truckers who say that it's the time of service that's a big issue, the logbooks, finding parking for overnight stays if they need to. Those are some of the bigger issues that that I hear about. Do, do, are your drivers complaining to you about the same things? Absolutely, it's really become a, an extremely difficult task for the drivers today. You know today. With the electronic logbooks, they have to shut down early so they can get a parking spot. Today, you know, everything is electronic. They're reserving parking spaces, you know, knowing where they're supposed to be at a specific time, you know, just to have a, a place to park. I mean, if you look today, you know, when I was in Denver not too long ago and then I went to Salt Lake, you see all these trucks parking off of the, the exit and entrance ramps because there's no space and and it's due many times to weather where and they have to shut down you know you can't just keep going unfortunately if today you are at your log hours you need to pull over 
come hell or high water, you have to stop. Nobody wants to find. It's very expensive. Yeah, and I, I can tell you for, for sure that it, that there are a lot of times that the uh, state patrol or the Department of Transportation here especially, and I know in Wyoming as well, will just shut down the highways because they do not want to deal with the chance of a wreck. So they, they, are, they are almost preemptively closing down the interstate more often now than they ever have in the past because they just don't want to get into those situations where they'd rather close it and make you wait it out rather than have to deal with the cleanup if something happens. And you're right. And that's and a big part of that today is due to the amount of trucks on the road. Um, if you look today, you know, at any given evening, I mean, take a look on the highway. Many times from 10 p.m. forward, you'll have more trucks on the road than cars. Yeah. And I'm not and I'm speaking of, you know, semis, big trailers. I mean, Amazon and Federal Express, they have their night crew to go in and they run. They rule the road. Mm-hmm. The trucks are t- have taken over, and I'm sure the cost of fuel and the fluctuation in the pricing has to make you, you pull the rest of your hair that's on your head off uh, just just because of of, of the, the the changes that you see week to week. You know, it, it's it's an incredible difference um, today how the price of fuel fluctuates. I mean, you, it's never been like this before. I mean, we could see oil per barrel going from seventy. You know, two weeks later, it's at 90. Three weeks later, it's back down into the 70s. And, and and the consumer does seem to get it. They do understand. They see the price of everything has changed. You know, and so we do our best to attempt to, to not raise prices based on fuel costs. Unless there's a significant difference, you know, in pricing at the pump, then, then we would have to go up. But today, the fuel has been somewhat in the same range. So we averaged it out. Is so we take the good, the bad, and the ugly. Ice is what I call. <laughs> Perfect. My guest is Stephen Yariv. He's the founder and CEO of Dealers Choice Auto Transport. Talk about the challenges of the exotic car transportation business. Uh, they're based in South Florida. I'll have a link to their website here in the description of this show. How, so how we you just talked about some of the costs there. How do you determine the cost to ship a car? Probably by the type of transport truck or distance. But do you also charge depending on the type of vehicle involved? In most instances, the rates are pretty stable. I can tell you that. Whether it's a Ferrari or a Rolls-Royce, many of the cars are within the same price range when you're moving these vehicles. Uh, You know, the prices will will change on the exotics when you really start getting to to the certain level of pricing. When you start moving a LaFerrari that's, three million plus or a Pagani, you know, that can go up to 10 million plus you, you, then it becomes a new ball game on pricing because we have to go and purchase the extra insurance, which we have the ability of doing where most don't most brokers out there cannot even get an option to go buy the extra insurance. But we've partnered with a couple of different major underwriters that do specifically underwrite for dealer choice on the transport and will give us a rate, whether it's you know eight hundred or a thousand dollars more to insure that car specifically that as as we call it, you know, for a certain amount of time. Usually, it's up to ten days. So we, we're okay on the, in that respect, and the customer does understand because in transport, believe it or not, State Farm or some of the other you know big brands that we're familiar with, 
They do not insure your vehicle while in transport. It's actually in their policy. And the agents aren't even familiar with it. And we've learned this over time, you know, being in the business that, you know, somebody would put in a claim and they call their insurance company to try to speed up the process. And they find out, oh, you should have done your due diligence. The company you hire has to cover it because in transport, we're not going to cover it. And it's more, and it's, and it's happening more and more. Could the customer, so let's say if I had a, uh, a $3 million Ferrari, could I purchase the in- insurance as well, as well as you too? Uh, could we double yes. up kind of a thing? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I can tell you this, you're not going to get paid twice. Yeah. <laughs> right. something. But I can tell you that, you know, there are, there is the ability when you start going to the, to the big ticket items like that, that your normal insurance companies that we see our commercials with every day on every channel, um, they don't insure those vehicles. You have to go to the specialty companies for insurance and they will cover those cars while in transport because they know that's part of the, uh, of the ownership of those cars, that those cars will be shipped all the time. Yeah. And I would think that a, a, a large Rolls Royce is a pretty, they're pretty heavy vehicles and probably heavier than some of the more exotic, uh, Lamborghinis or, or a BMW, something like that. So do you, do you charge also based on weight? Uh, uh, no, no, we don't. Um, we don't do that. What we do is we will charge based on the, what the truck can hold in general. When we have six cars, we know how to load the trailer to make sure we can fit our six cars. Um, if a customer, for example, we had a client uh, last week that owned four Rolls Royces that he wanted to ship from uh, California back to Florida. And that literally does take up the entire trailer based on this, the length of the vehicles and the weight. So I explained to the customer, what you're doing is you're paying a premium to own that trailer for yourself. Right. You know, you're paying for six, you know, at a slight discount versus and only having four vehicles. I did advise them, hey, let's split up the vehicles, put them on two separate trucks to where I can get four more vehicles. And he insisted to just, he'd rather pay the premium and know that the entire truck is his, knows where his cars are at the same time. So, again, it's it's all relative to the individual on how they want to spend their money. But I try to make sure that I can do the best rate for the customer and try to make sure that they're comfortable with the situation and in my opinion, if you have four Rolls Royces, spend the premium and just go with one why, 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 why not just have four other ones in Florida and, and keep the other four in, in, in California? <laughs> I, I've said that as well. Uh, you know, going against my own business, but yeah. it, it's just one of those scenarios where people just don't want to leave a car sitting. They, people love to drive their cars. So instead of having a car sitting in Florida for six months, not doing anything... They just ship it back and forth. But keep in mind, and you can speak to any service advisor at any dealership, a sitting car is a problem car. Oh, yeah. So, you know, the, the ones that sit for a long time just generally have problems mechanically. And it doesn't matter whether it's a, 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 any brand from, from the bottom to the top. Cars are meant to be driven. Yeah. So that's one reason why somebody would want to ship a car. What what are some of the other reasons people are shipping from one place to another? You know, moving, you know, generally snowbirds are, are the biggest population of, of, of transportation. 
going back and forth every year, you know, to their to their homes. But you know, move military moves, college kids, just moving in general, leaving one state, going to another because of a job. There's many different reasons why they ship their cars. Somebody got you know, unfortunately passes away. You know, the car was left to them. You know, in a different and they're in a different state. So there's so many different reasons for shipping, but I can tell you that the business today is bigger and busier than ever, and all due to the pandemic. Oh, really? You think that it's a pandemic that got people moving around or, or at least staying in their homes and, and working from home or, or what? Uh, it, it's a combination of things. Um, what the purchase, the buyers today have changed dramatically uh, on the online purchasing. Today, you know, the average person pre-pandemic to buy a car online was between 25 to 42. Um, when the pandemic hit, um, people were sitting at home looking for something to do, looking to spend their money. Yeah, And it's incredible, but it really showed people that you can go online and buy a vehicle and get it delivered right to your place. And it's a completely different market today than it was, you know, just a few years ago. And you mentioned college kids, so I doubt they're driving a uh, real fancy Lamborghini. Uh, so, it, it, I mean, you ship just about anything, though, right? Yeah, we ship anything. Um, whether it's your 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 everyday car from Kia to Honda to Mercedes, BMW to Lamborghini and Pagani and motorcycles, it doesn't matter what it is, as long as it you know has wheels, we'll ship it. <laughs> well, what's it like? To and I'm sure you've seen some of the most exotic cars that that have ever been made. What what is it like to sit in a vehicle that is valued at ten million dollars? You when you sit in it, you wonder why am I sitting in it? Sometimes, <laughs> you know, it's one of those. It's like a piece of art, yeah. And you just don't want to do anything to possibly ruin that piece of art. So you're very very gentle, very very careful. You know, I was at the Lamborghini dealership. Um, yesterday, uh, which is right down the road from us. And, you know, they had uh, a, just an extremely rare Diablo. And uh, I thought it was just a $200,000 car. And that one happened to be nearly a million dollars on that specific car. And even if it's just sitting in a million dollar car, it's it's different. You really sit down and you, you kind of say, wow, it's a, you know, a beautiful house on wheels. <laughs> Could you imagine if you had the resources to do it, have a million dollar car, and, and would you feel comfortable driving it just down your regular avenue there in South Florida? Myself, no. <laughs> uh, I, I I do drive exotic cars myself, but they're they come to a limit. I, I, I'm I'm not the million dollar buyer, but I'm halfway there. Yeah, <laughs> there still never there you go. My guest is uh, Stephen uh, Stephen Yariv. He's the uh, CEO and the founder of Do uh, Dealers Choice Auto Transport. We're talking about those challenges of exotic car transportation. So, what does growth look like? You you said you've been growing already thirty percent. Is that what you see for the next five or ten years? Just continued growth? Uh, I do. I, I see the growth is is here to stay. Um, this year, like I said, we were up thirty percent this year. Last year, we were up with just over 20%. And the growth is due to the to the brand of Dealer's Choice and why we're different versus everybody else in the business. Um, the growth I see continuing in the 20%, 30% range for at least the next four to five years. 
so if I wanted to start my own uh, exotic car dealership or you know uh, uh, transportation service, it's not going to be the same kind of growth <laughs> as as you're seeing then. No, it's going to be very difficult difficult for anybody to come in today as a new as a new venture. Um, the new people that come in are are coming to me to source vehicles to them. They're coming to to the top dogs of the business to try to give them business because to walk in today into a, a Ferrari dealership and ask for their business, they're just not handing the keys to anybody. Yeah. It's, it's it's a relationship business, and it's also a business that takes a lot of time to get a reputation. Right, right. Do you still enjoy what you do every day? Still show up to work it. happy? I, I'm generally one of the, the, if not the first one in, but I'm generally the last one out. Working anywhere from 14 to 16 hours at the office. Goodness. Addiction. Yeah. Well, you know, they say if you if you enjoy what you do, it's not work at all. It's To me, it's not work. <laughs> there you go. You know, I've, I've gained a lot of friends over the years. It's not only a business anymore. It's a relationship. It's friends that, that you've become very close to many people over this time frame. Well, that's cool. It sounds like it's a uh, challenging but also rewarding business, Stephen. So thank you so much for uh, your, your time, Stephen Yariv. He's the uh, CEO and the founder of Dealer's Choice Auto Transport there in South Florida. Uh, thanks again for all your insights. I appreciate your time. Thank you. So in my first year of college, when I was uh, going to uh, West Georgia College, uh, right outside of Atlanta, I uh, one, one of my jobs uh, was to uh, go be a valet at a restaurant, two different restaurants, and then this uh, building in Buckhead, uh, you know, north of downtown Atlanta. And I, I got to drive some really interesting cars, in, including a couple of Rolls Royces. The, the, the shift lever for the Rolls Royces, were, it was always so delicate. You could barely touch it, and it would shift into gear. Uh, but they were fancy cars, and, and I never thought it was it was worth what, what it was. I, the, the problem for me when I was a valet, is I'm a pretty big guy. You know, I'm standing at like 6'2", I'm 220 pounds. I'm built more like a linebacker than I am uh, built like a, a valet, a smaller guy. Uh, so I'm getting in these cars, and then you'd have these women that, that were driving their car, and they'd be right up against the steering wheel, right? And I, and I always hated, because I, I don't like it when somebody messes with my, my seat in my car, uh, so I, I always hated to try to, so I, I would always try to get in there and try to not adjust the seat too much, uh, for me to try to get in there, but I would adjust it sometimes because I'd have to, because, uh, I, I just, you know, couldn't fit in the car without moving the seat back a little bit or down a little bit, whatever. Um, and, and here's a funny story. I, I always had a problem with sobs. We don't really see sobs any, anymore. I, I think GM bought them. Something like that, or um, somebody bought them. Maybe it was GM. Uh, anyway, uh, that was uh, back a while ago, I think. Anyway, so uh, sobs. In uh, the way to get the in the stick shift sob, the way to get the key out, it was sitting right in the center console, is where the key went. And so you would have to put the car, you would have to put the shift into reverse, and then you could get the key out. Well, I didn't know that the first time I ever parked one. And so what I did, I'm like, fig, try to fiddle this thing and figure it out. And I, I had no clue. And so I, I, I parked the car and I just took my keys. And what we would do is I'd give the ticket, like a ticket to the, to the person who was getting the car parked and they would come back. And when they come back, they give me the ticket and I'd have the keys on this uh, big rack in a cabinet uh, with numbers and, and a little hook. And so I, because I couldn't get the sob keys out, I took my keys 
and I put him on that hook. And so when the guy came out to get his car, I took my keys off the hook, and I, I don't know if they noticed or not, um, but then I ran over to the car because I left the keys in that car and then just started it up and gave it to him, and off they went. Uh, no harm, no foul. But then I figured out later uh, how to get the key out of the sob, and <laughs> so there you go. But it was actually quite fun to be a valet because uh, I, would, I would make a bunch of money, and then I head back to college. But this, so I worked for this company. It was called K.A. Valet. And the guy who owned it, Kevin, um, he, for, for the K, I can't remember what his last name was, but he had a couple of different restaurants. And one of them was the Abbey in downtown Atlanta. And so what would happen was he, after the night, like at, at 11 o'clock or so, about when the restaurant is closing down and I'm about to be done, he would come show, show up and, and want a percentage of my tips. Well, you know, I, I, I did not like that idea because uh, I was doing the work and he was not. And so I would always, and he thought he knew how much I should be giving him. Well, I would only give him a, you know, a, a lot less than what I thought, than, than what the real percentage would be. Um, so I was, I was, I was skimming off the top from, from him trying to take my skim or his, you know, he was trying to skim from me and I was skimming from his skim. Uh, so, <laughs> if that makes any sense. So I didn't like him taking my money, so I'd give him less money, and then off off he would go, and then off I would go over back to college uh, with a, you know, a pocket full of cash, which was great. So anyway, that, that was my story. Yay! Okay, anyway. Uh, thanks for being <laughs> If you have any questions, comments, concerns, you can always get me in the uh, comment section or the description of this show. Uh, thanks for being here. Thanks for listening. And until next time, I'm Jason Looper, the Traffic Guy. Be safe and, as always, happy motoring.